<laughs> cool. We are here. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> we made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You made it back from the Midwest? Yes, yes. How'd your presentation very... go? That was good. Yeah, yeah, actually went really well. Oh, I what? just heard a beep. <laughs> I just heard a beep. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I heard was. it too, but I don't know what that was. Huh. Okay. That's uh, weird. Is uh, someone listening? Well. I don't know. That was bizarre. Dude, all sorts of stuff's going on. I mean, I come in and you're telling me I got double phase audio <laughs> or something like that. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, no, it went well. Uh, yeah, no, no complaints. No, I didn't look. Yeah, well, I don't think I look stupid. Maybe I did look stupid. And I was just blissfully. Everybody unaware. was whispering, like, he looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy even saying? No, so it was good. Uh, you know, and it was kind of fun, you know. I don't think I'd want to do it often, but, you right. know, being in a hotel. <laughs> I'm just a hermit, you know. I, I don't like to travel, but, you know, it was making me remember when, during interview season, you know, a mm. mm-hmm. uh, while ago now, uh, just doing that. But anyway, who cares? And it's just kind of fun, you know, a little solitude. Not yeah, that I don't I get like that it. already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really I really like solo traveling too. It's why I like yeah. doing long road trips by myself. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, that's yeah. Hence the well, yeah. Musician. But I, <laughs> sorry, Wait, was, what? What? <laughs> that was uh whatever. That, yeah, yeah. I mean it, uh, the pause made it seem like I was gonna say something weird, but I was just wondering if I wanted to bring it up of you know, like that you had considered for many years, like ten years, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of trite now to say somebody wants to be a comedian you don't oh, want to yeah. be a comedian but you had no. you know you had played around with the idea but you played around with it before it was cool in one, in, in, it in was the trough i era. was so bad at it it was one of those things where i did it once and i was too bad and i already had another skill and so it's like right. i can't right. i can't right. start at yeah. this level yeah. yeah 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 but anyway i was just gonna say you know that certainly is a mentality that you need though the solo trip yeah, it's a very solo true. business. So that's yeah. the whole point of that whole, the whole tirade point, yeah. right there. <laughs> nice. You believe that? Yeah. So 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 Mr. X has a has a good buddy who put out some some music. This oh week. God, you <laughs> flatter that that <laughs> sob. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we don't have to talk about that, but it's true. But we don't have to talk about it. Are you we'll sure? move on. Yeah, yeah we'll move on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just. I'm trying to help your friend promote his music. <laughs> no, nah, you know? he doesn't need help. He. <laughs> oh, he's, he's already bury him. very famous. Bury him. <laughs> Nobody should hear him. <laughs> Nobody should hear Mr. X either. Let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> Can we finally be honest, Antushka? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. No, man. I. This is this week. I mean, Foucault has been honestly getting me down so many rabbit holes so i have to thank you for that antushka from the bottom (laughs) of my heart uh yeah because i've just you know i was pouring into the untimely meditations the nietzsche thing i was talking about last episode and david hume stuff and uh anyway (laughs) i have a lot of thoughts (laughs) but i I was gonna say i kind of want you to like take the lead on this though i feel like (laughs) i i was talking too much last time so nice nice Okay, cool. I just uh, something very silly just happened. <laughs> I, uh, I I was letting my wife know that the 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 pork has forty two more minutes in the oven. Yeah, um, but I didn't text her. I texted a, a bass player who I know, <laughs> and I wrote forty two minutes on the pork. <laughs> 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 he just texted back what? 
<laughs> That's good. Yeah. Nice. Um, nice. You anyway. Say, you know what it means. That's what you should <laughs> I say. I say you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. That's some good that's some good pork right there, man. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I should have said you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lawsuit on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, all right. So um, yeah, Foucault, Foucault. I, I so if I'm being honest, I only made it through the one one of the two chapters. Oh yeah. I mean I try I got like thirty pages into the other one and then realized there was another forty pages yeah. to go. <laughs> I was like, okay. Also the, the first one was kinda hard. Like the especially yes. the Christian part. I I Definitely. had to read it a couple times and I still don't quite get it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but how, I have how, a lot of thoughts on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm talking too much. How would we sum it up? So this is the insane. So yeah. as as far as as far as I I understand this chapter, it's kind of moving away from the 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 kind of long history that I was talking about before, about the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and moving into the classical period and the shifting relationship to madness and the insane on a cultural level having to do with uh, a, a starkly different attitude about the way to deal with people who are considered insane. Um, having, and then that attitude shift being the, treat, the, the treatment of people and viewing insanity as being related um, to animalistic traits in humans. And then even prescribing that humans should be treated as animals if they are deemed insane. All the way to the idea that maybe that might be the way to cure them of their insanity. Although it seemed to kind of be unclear as to whether or not Foucault is suggesting that in the classical period there was an idea that insanity was treatable or curable. But he seems to be setting the scene for the how it sort of shifts into our more modern understanding of how to deal with people who we deem are insane. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I tend to agree with a lot of that, especially the animal part. Right. Right. I thought that was a really interesting point he was making and sort of felt like it was a central thing. And I think um, the Christian point he was making is a big point and I don't quite have a handle on what he meant by it. Yeah. Well, so, I think maybe one place I want to start, because I think you're also kind of fuzzy on this, is uh -huh. trying to understand, like, uh, how to even describe it. Like, he's very, I almost feel like sometimes while he's saying it's completely different in the classical period, he's also saying they're basically doing the same thing, though. It's just in a perverted way. Like, they're still demonstrate. like, a big point I felt like he was making is that they're still... Like in the Middle Ages, you wanted to sort of let insanity breathe and right. almost like let it get out mm -hmm. of itself. And they they kind of did that in a perverted way with the circus development in like sure. the end of the 18th and early 19th century. So, which is weird. So that was like, a, I don't, what do you think about that conflict where it's like in some cases I do feel like he's, because you started by saying it's a stark sort of difference in mm -hmm. how they deal with insanity. But in some ways it's also like, 
it's not that different. It's just perverted. I, I mean, I think I think that is kind of what he gets at. Because as you read it, he'll say, you know, it's really different, and then, and then he'll trace back on himself and say, but it actually could be seen as sort of the other side of the coin to something right. like that. I mean, I feel like he was saying that a lot. He'd say it, yeah. he'd make yeah. a statement that was sort of a, a direct contrast, and then he'd be like, well, right. but if you flip it upside down, it's not so much of a contrast or something. Which like so, that. and I guess maybe this gets to why he's so difficult to read and yeah. why the sort of meta-analysis of his work is the social construct idea because it's right. like, well, it's all like you just, it's the frame that you look at it from. I don't right. know. Well, because actually one thing that I was coming to mind while I was reading it was uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about, maybe it was three episodes ago, we were talking about setting up experiments um, to, in, a, in a chemistry sense, you know, to get a sense of, you know, are there things dissolved in water, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And then multiple people can do the same experiment, but part of the scientific process, sort of maybe the hardest part, is being good at interpreting the results of right. an experiment. Right. And I feel like all of what he's doing is just like wild interpretation. And so some mm-hmm. of it's really interesting. And it's it's an interesting way of framing situations. But it's just, it's so like interpretation upon interpretation mm-hmm. upon interpretation that it's really difficult to trace what he's seeing and saying. Yeah, no, it's it's very unscientific in a way, which is probably right. what I think he that's wants. I think that's sort of he would be fine with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean uh sort of you know, doing a little Freudian analysis of him. I was, you know, again reading his probably Wikipedia and uh he was the son of a surgeon and I think his brother went into medicine. And oh, so I see. he's and he also like did I think volunteer work in a clinic, like a psych clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, it's sort of like reading all that is making me first off realize why he's so educated, uh, as you could say, a layman or somebody who's not a doctor on the clinic and the, the workings of the clinic. Right. And then also explains, in my opinion, how, you know, you had you had said the f- last episode how you didn't get that he was being prescriptive about anything, at least in that first section. Right. I do feel like, though, he was prescriptive a little bit in a way that he does, it does seem like he has an opinion, if that makes sense, in how he talks about things. And it's obvious to me that it's an opinion that the, as we've sort of leaned into reason, uh, we've sort of deluded ourselves into thinking that it's superior when in reality it's it's not necessarily better than mm, other things. Sure, sure. I think I think that that makes sense. And, and I guess uh, I wonder if that opinion doesn't come from the fact that, you know, Surgery is sort of the epitome of the modern doctor in some right. sense. It's like very clinical, like uh, very sterile, right? No, uh-huh. you have to, I mean, you have to be very smart to be a surgeon, you know? Right. So often you get the best doctors go into surgery. This is mm-hmm. just the reality of things. I'm, you know, I'm agnostic on all this, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and they also sort of emphasize some of the worst attributes about doctors too, of like mm. the know-it-all, and because you all, you need to have a lot of confidence if you're gonna if you're gonna cut into cut into somebody. someone. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So it makes sense why you're going to first off get people like that into medicine, and then get people like that into sort of surgery. Uh, so it's just all of that is just coloring sort of when I read his writings, and I and I just think about you know his own biases too. 
right. I guess is is really the, on, the only point about that. It's just uh, I just think something worth thinking about. <laughs> the the <laughs> whole this whole book is a screw you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's thank you. That's essentially what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> sorry, what? I couldn't be wait, perfect wait, like my brother. <laughs> and Tushka, exactly. I should say one could look at it like that. It's not necessarily like that. Yeah. But one could look at it like that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Now, is it better to say it the way I said it or like more with a Freud way, you know, pipe and a tweed jacket? Exactly, dude. I just went on like a 10-minute <laughs> thing where you just summed it up in like one phrase, which is perfect. And that sort of also sums up some of, I think, my and maybe your issues with it. Maybe not. You don't have an issue with uh, with his writing. But, yeah, it's just I'm like you could sum this up and then – Get, I said I was going to not talk as much, but getting to your in, inexactitude, it was all, I was thinking exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You were saying that he's very inexact about all this, and I was yep. thinking exactly the same. And it was making me wonder, am I just ignorant, or why does like the field of scientific history not exist? Because you literally just need somebody to count, like, here's the number of paintings that depicted like sure. insanity. And then you could do T-tests, you know, right, right. you could start doing ANOVAs and bring probability into it and good old Bayes and all that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I don't think most historians do that though. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying is it actually right. seems to me like that's the logical sort of next step for history, especially as we accrue more evidence. Mm, to you be like more history. rationalistic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Man. Well, I think I think <laughs> if there's a lot of postmodernists in history, though, they're not going to want to do that. Well, no, but the, <laughs> I I believe that right. it, <laughs> this is maybe me putting the flag <laughs> in the ground. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't want to put the flag in the ground yet. Uh -oh. but, uh, we'll talk more. <laughs> I'm a very uh, so sleuth. No, I'm not scared. It's I'm just well. I guess I am scared. But or am I just smart? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's a fine line I'm between scared no. and smart. That's huh? <laughs> yeah, true. As I tell myself, I'm the uh, underground man. Right. The, the underground Dostoyevsky. man. Right. Right. Um, um, I mean, it's an interesting idea to try and do history. I think there's a question of why we do history. I mean, it's like, do we talk about this in a d different episode when uh, I should I? I don't know. We were in music history class, right? And uh, mm. the professor started the very first class by saying, there's no such thing as a historical fact. Uh, was Yeah, I vaguely remember this, actually. It was yeah. the first day. He was like, I just yeah. want you all to know. Like, you come into history thinking, like, we're going to learn what happened in history. And he's like, no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. We're going to learn stories. Mm -hmm. And what happened is a much more complicated idea. Right. Was this second semester? This is first semester. Oh, okay. So it was you-know-who, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. We should give him credit. We should. We it's should. difficult if you're trying to be anonymous. Yeah, I know. But he deserves credit. Well, I mean, you could give him credit. It's, I mean, you know, he's a public individual. And right, right. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Professor Crook. <laughs> <laughs> Music historian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, um, but I appreciated that. I liked that. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's an honesty to it, but I think also what it, it's doing is it's, it's showing that, at least from his perspective, what I would imagine is something like counting dates and numbers of things is not really doing history in what the tradition of history is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the tradition because that's like sure. data analytics or something. No, like no, that. no. But this is the thing: is the tradition of history. Yes, 
Right. I agree with that. But I'm not talking about tradition right. here. I'm talking about Right, you're talking about revolutionizing. I'm talking about progression. <laughs> right. I bet AI could do that, just count numbers of things. Yeah, it could. Well, or and, it could do it wrong and we'd have no idea. Like the other great thing about AI right. is it would say, you know, there's like 732 wars that happened over the co- in the world over the past 250 years. And you'd go like, okay. <laughs> it could be a well, complete and, nonsense. No, and, and I'm not saying it's a, it would be a, I'm not by yeah. any means saying it's a perfect science because you have, still have the issue of how do you, how do you build, mm-hmm. how do you group the variables? Like how do you define right. a war, you right, know, right. and all that stuff. So I'm not, it's not a perfect science, but it's an interesting way to approach history is I guess maybe more of what I'm trying to say. Sure. If I'm being, well, yeah. I guess, I guess um, there would be a question of what do you do with that data? Because it seems like maybe like what Foucault is doing is he he's doing that a bit like he it's references for, a lot of stuff. It's always for predictive purposes. This is what it's all science is just for trying to predict and better plan the future. So it's like oh well when you see you know like X amount of uh, you know you meet some threshold of countries right. that uh, begin to put tariffs on each other uh-huh. and then. Historically, this is what happens, you know, when you reach this number, like sure. 90% of the countries in the world have some kind of tariff, and uh, we've seen this pattern before, I something see. like that. Just a very simple, I'm not saying a great example, but the first thing that comes to mind. Right, right, but, right. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, the, the predictive thing. I mean more the interpretation. So you get a bunch of data. You say, mm-hmm. like, 30,000 countries, 30,000 countries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sure. 200 countries have tariffs. And then what? Like, the, you, can, you can have all these data points, but interpretation is really, it's still the problem of interpretation. Yeah. And, well, and I, I think Foucault is doing interpretation. I don't know how much data science he's doing, but he yeah. seems to be doing interpretation. I think most historians essentially are just doing interpretation. No, and I think, I think you're getting at a very philosophical point that everything is interpretation, which I agree with. It's right. it's the it's the predominance of the this is and this is getting at the point. This is the this is the fundamental question, Antushka. <laughs> and this is what honestly got my yeah. brain in a heat this last uh-huh. week because it's nice. that that when we were talking about, you know, going out in the cold and dying and what's objective right. truth. Mm-hmm. It, I think it all gets back to this question of subjectivity. And and we don't have to go into that right now, but uh but Yes. I mean, I think it probably comes down to the number of, uh, you know, it's, it's just always the more data, I guess you can think of right. it, the better, which comes down to why I was making the point of like, we make truth th- with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where I, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it again, because, because I think, uh, I don't have, I'm not very uh, set in it and uh, it's a tirade and I've, yeah, anyway, we'll get back to... We'll, okay. Let's, how are you doing? <laughs> how am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> are you doing okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, something that just comes to mind is I feel like there's a few statements that Foucault makes where he's drawing on data. I don't know how rigorous the data is, but when he says, you know, like one in 10 people in Paris were institutionalized... Um, yes. I mean, that's right. a figure he's putting forth. Right. And then, right. and then, you know, he does, you know, 10 pages of interpretation mm-hmm. on that figure or something right. like that. Right. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. But I'm just, I've, I'm not saying he should do this. I also, I'm just right. saying it was making me think as you were mentioning right. the exactitude of how, of his approach, it does make me wish it was a little bit more formulaic. Sure. And this is honestly more getting into the second, uh, uh-huh. part, the doctors and, Okay. Uh, part of just 
you know, he puts out a lot of prescriptions and it's almost like I would like to know what maybe the domain mm -hmm. of prescriptions for, and I'm saying prescriptions, treatments, I should say, for madness right. were of the time. And, and that is, I think, a more quantitative thing because you could literally like count, you know, there's, uh -huh. I guess what I'm saying is there are certain easy ways to quantify history that you right. would start with, like mm -hmm. just counting the number of publications that, you know, decided, used uh, water mm -hmm. ba bathing as a treatment, which was, you know, a very popular way right. of treating mm -hmm. mania and stuff. Um, so anyway, I keep, <laughs> I talk too much. No, no, you don't. Wait, wait, wait. There's two of us on a podcast. You have to talk That's at true. least half the time. I know, but I'm talking more than half. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a travesty. Maybe I've had good tirades and rants. I don't know. You have, have you have. And you made a very, I mean, you made a really good point last episode when I, you know, when I brought up that tr objective truth. Oh, oh, thing. oh, truth. And the I was trying to rectify hard, that. Man. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep coming back to it, but, and I keep saying I'm not ready to talk about it. <laughs> You're very Foucault of you. Yes. Foucault, yeah. You make a statement and you're like, well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I am a postmodern person. <laughs> I certainly am a postmodern person. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so one thing that I thought was interesting is I, I got the sense that Foucault was drawing some kind of parallel between evil and madness. Not that he's saying that madness is evil, but that there's some kind of tacit societal relationship between the two because he's mm -hmm. talking about people being institutionalized. And at the beginning of the chapter, he's not even really distinguished. I think he even makes a point where he's not distinguishing just madness from, say, criminals and other types of people who might be locked up for various reasons. Um, having to do with something to do with society's relationship to evil. And then madness being related to some kind of evil, maybe a specific subset of types of evils. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Uh, I remember him making those points. I didn't draw that conclusion. I think that's an interesting one. Um, well, so, so what, 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 I have, uh, what I have highlighted here was... Uh, Evil in all its most violent and most inhuman forms could not be dealt with and punished unless it was brought out into the open. And this is talking more about the, right. the older style, the Middle Ages and Renaissance style. Um, but well, yeah, he's switching to evil because he's been talking about madness and then he switches to evil. And, and what is, it just seems like they're interchangeable at one point. And this is where I think... I wish I was reading it in French because I don't know what the translation has done. That's a great point. But I think it's really interesting to be talking about a topic and you just switch the, the subject word like that because it makes you draw a parallel between the two. And so you start to associate evil with madness. No, that's very interesting. And it also, <laughs> this sort of emphasizes how we can read the same thing and sort of draw completely different mm -hmm. things because I was focusing on like the drawing out of uh, madness for the reasons that, you know, I had made before right. and then it became perverted by the circus. I think you make a really good point. And I hadn't really even thought about that. Uh, the, you know, I think it's a very astute point about, I didn't notice the interchange oh. of the word to be perfectly honest, <laughs> but it's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I wonder if it gets back at this animalistic mm -hmm. 
idea and the idea that sort of in the progression from the Middle Ages, because this is how I think about it, at least, right. and, and I feel like he kind of thinks about it like this, the progression from the Middle Ages into the classical period and into, you know, modernity is a, is a triumph of reason, right? It's, it's, and that's why you call it the Enlightenment, because we're becoming enlightened and, and we're becoming self-aware, and I feel like consciousness is being elevated, in a right. sense, people Well, he are, does talk about that when he talks about uh, anthropology entering the the scene because all now, then you need a narrative that's a progression right so all well, the and, way back from we were apes exactly. to then we were like kind of smart but kind of mm-hmm. stupid and now we're really smart look right. at all look at how far we've come we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're big yeah. kids now i mean we have done pretty amazing things i'm sorry right i'm <laughs> pretty sorry horrible, <laughs> Why pretty horrible sorry? things i agree but you know like i mean i'm talking to you on a computer right now. That's right, right, crazy. right. <laughs> um, yeah, how many other animals can do this? Like four, Thank five, you. six? Four, maybe four. Kangaroos. Maybe. Pigeons. I hear great things about them. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, great at networking. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Um, well, well, and yes, exactly, though. It, because, because in my se- how I would interpret that is yes, of course, because as you become more conscious, consciousness is bootstrapped off a of memory and so right. of course history becomes a larger component of the zeitgeist as more right. people become conscious because everybody's history is sort of multiplying or whatever right. you want to think about it like that or everybody's becoming conscious about their history because mm-hmm. that's what consciousness is in some sense right anyway so and and then the way i think about consciousness is you are coming out of your animalist body in a way because you're Mm -hmm. able to reflect on it so that's sort of i think why we've subconsciously thought about consciousness like that where you have the animal state where you're not conscious and you're in the present as i think about it or you're hyper conscious and you're as i call it an insomniac fiend um uh anyway uh i've given away too much uh but uh but and and so that's why though madness um i think when he's talking about it being animalistic, it is you're not using reason, you're not using consciousness, right. and yeah, you're just this crazy animal. And then we look at it as evil because we're constantly trying to fight that. Uh, we, as consciousness, we want to keep existing as a conscious being, and so going back to the animal state means that you're no longer a conscious being, and that's right. scary. And that's sure. why we also hate death now, and stuff. I actually yeah. had a thought when I was reading about flipping the narrative. I think the narrative could could also be flipped in the other direction. And that would be mm-hmm. interesting. That consciousness is madness. Yes, of course. And that, yes. and that the, the idea of going reverting back to the animal right. state is actually not mad. I think that's what he's sort right. of... That's, I think, honestly what he thinks. And that, right. when I was saying how he... I almost feel like he is sort of telling us what he thinks. Right. Th- I feel like when, that's... Exactly. Right. Yeah. He. I mean, it's yeah. it's like this silly quote. I don't even remember where it was. Like some Instagram, Twitter, like silly quote I read. But it was something like, uh, "Focusing on the past is depression. Focusing on the future is anxiety. And focusing on the present is peace." Right. Or like being in the present, or something like right. that. Right. Right. It's very Tao. Right. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Right. No, but that's exactly. I mean, I have again. I I intend to write more on all this, but these are all sort of ideas that I've thought about a bit of like this idea that the, the Eastern philosophies like Tao, emblemized by Tao, Mm -hmm. but you could also say meditation is about shutting off consciousness, getting back to the present, 
for that piece. And then the Western religions have dealt with consciousness by leaning into it, and which is emblemized through like right. the confessional. It's like, think about your history, think about everybody you've harmed, really mm-hmm. just become one with it and just lean into it. Right. Um, and the future. The, Invest, right. say, like, exactly. we're so, we project so far in both directions. Exactly. Yep. Right. Be, exactly. Exactly. And and so, yeah. And it makes sense then that you would have these two way. Those are seem like the two fundamental ways you can deal with it. You right. lean into it or you lean back out of it. Right. But but the evil. Yeah, that's I guess getting to your sort of point, though, of how he's he is talking about that. We potentially looked at madness as evil. I think that might that was my opinion of why we do. Right. Because it's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think I thing. think I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think especially thinking about the, the older style of madness when he talks about it's sort of like an external thing. Maybe it's some sort of spirit possession or something like that. And then into what he, the, what he calls the classical period. And then he's talking about the, the animalistic trait. Instead of it being some spirit that's possessed you, it's somehow you have reverted back in, right. in evolution. And you're stuck in the distant past as, as a dog or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. What's, what's interesting is to me that's, that is a very anti-modernist argument, hmm. which in a way I like. Uh, well, what's modernity a, what you, is, I, is a strange thing to me, and I don't hate it. I like that we're on Zoom. I like airplanes. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You're saying the Foucault argument. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying yes, it in a way it, un, it unravels the entire idea of modernity because I would right. say that what we were talking about just now, what you were saying about thinking about your history and who you've hurt right. and things like that and then right. projecting in the future – I feel like the modern world is, I mean, that's essential to what the modern world is. Right. Yeah. No. And, and like I our mean, increasing yeah. anxiety and depression. Right. I feel like maybe they're tied together. Maybe the modern world mm-hmm. can't, cannot be the modern world without ever increasing anxiety and depression. It, I, you're speaking my language, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Foucault, I don't think, said any of that in the chapter. No, no, no. But that. I mean, I I wrote a thing called the pandemic of anxiety or something mm-hmm. like that, and it, it's I talk about exactly that, or I I believe exactly that is like, yeah, it's anxiety is going to be just a, a sub, uh, uh, what's the word? It's it's a natural byproduct of consciousness, right? And it's 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 consciousness in its limit. Is right. like the the hyper insomniac fiend, you could say. Um, and it's funny because we, in a way, are very safe compared to any other point in history. Like we don't mm-hmm. we don't live in a situation where we have to worry about bears and lions right. very much. Right. Like we're not we're right. not going to get eaten in our sleep. That seems very yeah. unlikely. No, but we and that's still like have very a- scary. Like that right. the idea of that you'd think would cause way more anxiety. Yeah. Well, but I think it does on a some level. It's like a low level thing. And this right. anyway. We could we could go into a whole thing about that, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because yeah, I mean, I we have all these ancient uh, pathways that mm-hmm. don't just shut off because we live in modern life, but yeah, right, yeah, um, uh, I go, yeah, I agree completely with all that. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say something else, and I can't remember what it was. Anyway, you look like you have something. Well, I mean, I just I have ton, I have so many, I, yeah. I, Highlighted a lot in this because I think there's a lot of cool sentences. Agreed. I'm just trying to figure out how to how to put them in because like the big the the big two points to me were like the animal thing and the Christian thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know. We can try and tackle the Christian thing. I really don't get it. I really don't quite get. Yeah, what I, I have some stuff written on the Christian thing. So let me 
Let me find it. Um, but but uh, I did highlight this while you're looking at it. Uh, in in human in the human being who has become a beast of burden, and he's talking about uh, a situation where somebody was actually proposing a cure to madness by treating human beings like farm animals, like beasts of burden. Right, the Scotland guy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no, some of the I, stuff yeah. that he was describing, I don't, I don't know how real any of it is, but it's insanely brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all right. In the human being who has become a beast of burden, the absence of reason follows wisdom and its order. Madness is then cured since it is alienated in something which is no less than truth. I think I might have honestly taken that exact thing because I was confused by that too. But I, I got the. Can you read it one more time? Sure. I, th- I think I have a sense for what it means. I just, oh yeah, yeah. Go for it. Then. I think it's, it's interesting because actually I think it's related to what we were talking about truth last time. In the mm-hmm. human being who has become a beast of burden, the absence of reason follows wisdom and its order. I don't quite understand the, that end there, but. Madness is then cured since it is alienated in something which is no less than its truth. So what the way I take that is, if you're forced to be a beast of burden, you're forced to deal with the truth of the fact that you're doing hard labor that is something that your body can't really do or has a very, very hard time doing. So you, right. all your, you are faced to force the harsh reality of the earth itself. I think that's exactly it. Uh, actually, uh, and, and he sort of elaborates that in the next section on the treatments and doctors part, because one of the treatments that, again, you could say this is the perverted way in, in, yeah, in a sense that they, they take the same ideas, but they would basically do like just hosing people with water, right? right, In the asylums. And it's, and this came out of this idea, this anecdote that a guy, they saw a madman fall in a river and almost drowned, and then was sort of cured of his madness after that. So it's so just, like, let's throw them all. In the river. Basically, yes. That was like it started yeah. with, yeah, let's just throw them in or like dump them in water randomly. Or, I mean, it goes into the whole bathing sort right. of yep, stuff. Yep. Everybody used a lot of different iterations, but I think you're exactly right. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and it and it does get at this I, this this. I think you're right of this question we were talking about last time of like. How do you, the way that you get consciousness and reason to occur is sort of get maybe acknowledgement of the most fundamental things in front of you Mm. are true. And the most fundamental thing you are, you have to reckon with like death. And if you think you're going to die, it could, I guess the idea would be snap you out of if it's a, you know. Right. It's it's like slapping someone in the face or splashing water. Snap out of it. Exactly. 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 But a much more brutal form. I mean, I wonder, I wonder what the success rate is of that. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, that's, but yeah, that's I mean, another thing that would have been nice. So when you're talking about data, actually something like that. So the, like there's this change in treatment style, and then what? Mm-hmm. And maybe nobody keeps that data. I mean, I, I do notice it sometimes. Every now and then if I look into, into uh, modern treatments even, there's not always great documentation on right. efficacy. No, Adderall is Which is great, wild. It, well, well, I wasn't, I'm not making the point about efficacy for Adderall, but I was going to say on the point of not being great records, long-term mm-hmm. records, because like for this drug changed usages, it like was a weight loss right. drug. And so I don't know, but you know, because 
doesn't seem like people have really published much on the long-term effects of Adderall, but I'm mm -hmm. thinking we must know that when it was maybe uh, billed as something else right. back in like the 40s and 50s or sure. 60s or whatever. Did it have a different um, name? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, is there is there literature on whatever that was called? I didn't get into that. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Yeah, no, maybe. no. It's a good question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a good. I mean, that's essentially the question I'm wondering. Right. And yeah. I mean, uh, and this and this gets back to <laughs> this gets back to the objective truth thing. But yeah. maybe we could cap the the, the conversation with that. Okay. Uh, with, so like we don't have to talk about it now. We can because I actually have some points on the on the madness of the cross. Thing okay, and cool. Everything yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, too. Um, because I do think it, it's getting at what you were saying of, uh, well, okay, no, uh, sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'll just say the first thing. I'm all over the place here, Antushka. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because he's discussing how he apparently Christ would surround himself with, quote, madmen. And, mad right, and the right. quote is, madness thus became the ultimate form, the final degree of God in man's... Uh, image before the fulfillment and deliverance of the cross. Um, and uh, how the church found a lesson in the mad madness of man, i.e. guilty innocence of the animal in man. So... Can you read it first, one more time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll start. So, so he discusses how Christ used to apparently surround himself with madmen. Right. So the quote for that is, madness thus became the ultimate form, the final degree of God in man's image. Wow. Before the fulfillment and deliverance of the cross, so uh, this is where I feel like when we talk about, if, when we look at it from the context of consciousness, then it sort of makes sense in my head that they'd be saying like madness or a return to animal animalistic sense is the final form before you go in front of God before you die, because you're sort of ripped away from consciousness mm, mm, and you're mm. ripped back okay. into the, into the present and and thus death. That's right. You know, death. Okay. I see. Yeah. And then the church found a lesson in, in, uh, the madness of man, i.e. the guilty innocence of the animal and man. It's like they're innocent because they're not aware of the fact that they're animals, I guess. Maybe that's the only way I could reconcile that. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't really I think know the first thing like. you said makes a lot of sense. I yeah. think I don't, I don't understand what Foucault is saying. Like I, I, so that, that's what you said about, you know, when you face death, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, we revert back. There's the pork. <laughs> we, uh, we revert back, you know, all through, through the animal form before facing God or something like right. that. I can, I, can see, I can see that as an idea. I don't understand how a statement goes, Jesus hung out with mad people, therefore... Madness became the ultimate Buddha. I don't see how one leads to the other. Well, it was to more... To me, it's, of, I think it's you have it's, to die in order to face God, and death is the, like the, the reconciliation of yourself with the animal or something like that. Exactly. I think it's an appreciation and supposed to right. teach compassion to the rational people around, right. that you could say, uh, quote, rational people around. Like, you're going to be this say. too. You'll be this too. Look at him with compassion. Also, there's some truth in this because we're all sort of going to revert back to the animal eventually in sure. some way or another for however long, whether it's an instant or it's a long time. Because, I mean, this is right. something I've also 
thought a lot about of how Alzheimer's, out of the dementia, mm, in some mm-hmm. ways you could look at it as just a very slow progression back into the animal form as you lose your, your consciousness, essentially. Right. Or you lose your consciousness very quickly if it's a sudden, you know, death, obviously. Sure. Right. Anyway, it's very morbid, I know. I'm sorry, Antushka. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that makes okay, sense, that, though. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. It is yeah. tough. Um, here, here, I have a comment. What? <laughs> what? what is, okay, to respect madness is not to interpret it as involuntary and inevitable, as the involuntary and inevitable accident of disease, but to recognize this lower limit of human truth, a limit not accidental but essential, a lower limit of human truth. Yeah, I think it's still getting back at that. It's Same thing. The animal, the animal thing is the most fundamental truth because, and it gets back to senses, I guess you could say. This is where the David Hume, I think, influence can be felt of like, right. and in some case, John Locke and Aristotle, right? Senses are the most fundamental truth for all of us. They are subjective. Sure. But they are, if we're basing our reality on anything, it is our senses. Right. And the mad person is reacting more to their senses than we are, I guess. Right. That's how I interpret all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. Because then, it, as death is the limit of human life, just like we're talking about, in the realm of time, sure, mm-hmm. madness is the limit in the realm of animality. Mm-hmm. And just as death had been sanctified by the death of Christ, mm-hmm. which... Death had been sanctified by the death of Christ. So I, I, my understanding of Christian theology is that death has been conquered by the death of Christ. Death yeah. is not sanctified. Death is like sin. Death is hell. Oh, I, well, what about if it's heaven? <laughs> well, well, it's not possible. No, 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 because in heaven you're not dead. Sure, you have eternal life. Death. Yeah, I you think will, it's, you getting, live again. it's getting a little too semantic for me, though. Sure, sure. Well, actually, that, that Pentecostal guy I talked to last week, it was crazy. I'd never heard this before. He said that before Jesus died, Moses and uh, uh, Abraham and all the like holy fathers of the church before Christ were in hell, mm-hmm. i.e. they were dead. Right. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, whatever. Two semantics, fine. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> sanctified by the death of Christ, madness in its most uh, bestial nature had also madness in its most bestial right. nature had also been sanctified. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think I don't know if I agree with that, but I I can mm-hmm. see that he's still trying to basically, in my opinion, right, make that same point of right. it's we're all going to die. We're all kind of crazy maybe you know it's like empathy the golden rule now i don't i don't even i don't get the and sense the that he's rule. saying that he thinks madness is sanctified he's saying like in the eyes of a christian in the classical period madness is sanctified through right. christ yeah, yeah right right but maybe and this is maybe where it's it's hard for foucault to disguise what he really feels right though, because i do feel like he is He's getting at some truths that I think I've been trying to get at, too, mm-hmm. that I think anybody that sort of 
dives deep enough into metaphysics is going to get at the fundamental the the thing Kant was responding to a critique of pure reason. Right. It, it all comes yeah. back to the synthetic a priori, <laughs> which are the senses. I mean, it's just right. whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. It's it's mm-hmm. it's that truth when we like there's something here when I touch it, and yeah. I can see that there's something here also, and I can smell that there's something here, and so all of these. And mm-hmm. this is, I guess, you know, maybe this is a good time to finally get to it. So we were talking last episode about this person goes out into the cold. And I was right. trying to I was trying to talk about objective and, and subjective truth. Right. And I don't I part of me wonders if truth is even the right. Uh, it's like mm. there's gradations of truth, you know, and maybe subjective and objective is too limited in that it's a it's truth is built off of just. Uh, more and more iterations of something, but it sure. is subjective because we have five different ways of determining truth within us from right. the subjective reality. And and that's the point. So it's like we're more likely to believe something's there if we can also touch it as well as see it, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is, I think, ultimately what I was trying to get at with truth is that it's probabilistic in the sense that you're counting up the number of... Uh, evidence i guess right i can taste level. it and smell it i can't hear it but i can taste it right I, yeah right so how can we really know a couch exists if we can't hear it that's the real <laughs> question <laughs> yeah actually I, I i had i had another thought i'd never thought about before the five senses there's a good uh-huh. narrative we have senses and we've named five of them we've numbered five of them mm-hmm. but but and and like so we've demarcated different types of sensory experience well I see dead people, so I mean, nice, I have six nice. senses. But you see, that's a C. Yeah, but they're, oh, you've <laughs> found a fundamental error with the movie. <laughs> Call up Bruce Willis. Yeah, right, it's not a sixth sense, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah exactly, <laughs> fundamental error. They need a new title. <laughs> yeah. The expanded fifth sense. It's not, it's not as nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's a, that. But yeah, I mean, what? Do you, what? Sorry, but you were you were making a point about how we've numbered them. No, you? I just I just mean that it, it's interesting that even that. So so we experience our best way of getting at truth is through ex- aesthetic experience, sensory experience of some mm-hmm. sort, right? However, if you're even that, we, we even that we have to add layers of narrative in order to describe it because we're stuck. So we we can see, we can taste. But now we've also limited ourselves because the, the sixth sense, I see dead people. How do you describe it if it isn't sight? It's right. just a different sense. We don't have well, a way to yes. do it. We're naturally limited in that. And remember, I mean, we talked about this too before. Is like we're always bringing back our scientific uh, findings into an interpretable result in one of the right. five senses. And most right. often now it's visual. Right. Yeah, yeah. We should talk about hearing a couch. Though. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't do taste. As, as much no or, but they used to do taste and smell like you would i mean in the yeah. old chemist stuff i mean this is how things were <laughs> it's how a lot yeah. of people died yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly yeah but uh but yeah it all comes back to that which is why i do think that it makes sense that uh i think foucault would basically be in the hume side of the debate mm-hmm. whereas kant maybe he emphasizes the other side where it's like there is some kind of truth outside of ourselves. And then this gets back to the question of whether that's ultimately means you believe in God 
which I think it might. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I do think it might. I, 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 see, I see the postmodernist movement as being nearly as atheistic as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and this gets back to something you were, else you were saying. I, this is, I think, what I wanted to make when you were making that point about how modernity is just... Uh, it feels very anti-rationality or the rational approach to things. And it no, modernity to, seems highly rational to me. No, 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 no. The reaction against it, I oh, should say. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, the Foucault... This is... This I think orig- not originates with Foucault, but is is you could say Foucault gives it <laughs> the narrative it needs by right. pointing out all of these uh, ways that the rational sort of approach is actually just as irrational as some other approaches from certain perspectives. Right. And right. I guess what I'm saying is it makes sense to me that there would be a uh, you see a lot of the thinking now that's occurring in modern society, the reaction against all the hyper-rationalistic thought would be this, of like, we want to go back to the animal state. We, right. we want to get out of the modern state. We want to go back to the land and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense because, yeah, there's definitely a sense that we've lost something. But anyway. I'm, no, no I, I, I think it's yeah. great. I think, uh, I think it's, a, it's a necessary tension that needs to right. exist dialectic <laughs> yeah, yeah of course i think <laughs> so because because you you have the folks like you know good old good old uh kermit voice jordan b mm. peterson out there <laughs> railing against uh postmodernism he and Maher. talking about how it's yeah. you know hell bent on destroying society and stuff like that mm-hmm. and in a way he's right i think yes I think, yes i think it yeah. is it is de- it is designed as a as a destructive or deconstructionist to de- right. deconstruct the world of modernity. However, on the other yeah. side, there's a reason that it's doing right. that. Because exactly. it's not like Foucault isn't wrong when he points well, out the horrors of these weirdly hyper-rational right. treatments for exactly. mad people. And where is he coming off the back of? He's coming off the back of World War II, which right. was potentially the, hyper, the, the epitome of rational insanity. I mean, the it's, Germans. It's true, although the communistic that. theory is closer to Foucault than than yeah, uh, yes, like Jordan yeah. Peterson. But I mean, because that's also that. agrarian, back to basics, but, back but to again, the animal. Yeah, life. no, no, no. I I agree with that. But again, I'm talking about what Foucault was responding to. Right, right. You know, Foucault. Sure. I mean, all of the those atrocities were basically happening or were not really known about. I feel like in the wide public during Foucault's time. I'm not saying people didn't know about. You know the people starving in Mao. Some people knew. No, about no, I'm saying I'm saying people. base Marxist theory. I'm not even talking about the no, horrors in the Soviet Union. No, no, but, but I, I, all I was saying. Sorry, I feel like we're we're talking past each maybe, other. It's maybe. my fault. It's my fault. Um, all I'm saying is Foucault was responding, I think, to uh, the Nazi regime more mm-hmm. than any commun. I mean, and you could look at communism, sure, as as what is, but I mean, the opposite of fascism i guess i don't know i don't know no you can't right yeah. because fascism is is its own right. thing that can be applied to either sorry i'm getting tired here and i'm being inexact with my words and i apologize um all, <laughs> all i'm saying apologies. is that all that i'm saying is foucault was responding more to the nazis sure. all the atrocities that the communists had done he mm-hmm. probably wasn't aware of even though sure. you're right there was marxist dogma but i'm saying the facts of like people dying by the millions you know and yeah. stuff 
I don't think that was common knowledge in the 60s and 70s when he was writing. I don't I, know. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, in the West. I think in the West. Maybe. That would be in interesting. I wish we could read about that. I, I would like I to know Mold what people Book know. I, say, yeah. I was listening yeah. to an interesting Michael Malice uh, oh, yeah. podcast about that the other day mm-hmm. about what, what did people know? Because Michael Malice talks right. about, it's, it's off topic, but he talks about how coming from the Soviet Union, he finds it sort of uh, offensive and strange how many people in the U.S. in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, mostly professors, but many educated people would either shrug off the atrocities, uh, say they weren't happening, which is the most common, or just be like, well, you know, like you have to break a few eggs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I, it's a good point. I'm making an assumption that right. most either didn't know or, yeah, assumed that that was so crazy. But right. for all I know, they could have been disingenuous, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, well, because, like, what, what's his name? Noam Chomsky came out publicly and said that the stuff that, that people were saying was happening in Cambodia wasn't happening. Right. Has that he it was like that it was media propaganda. Right. Has he addressed that? I wonder. Kinda. Not that strongly. Not yeah. not for how crazy what happened in Cambodia was. Right. He was like, right. well, you know, I was a little deceived. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I mean, that's a good point. Um, and and I. I think the. The fact remains, even beyond that, though, that whether whether even the atrocities were happening, right? Foucault was in a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he was in a in a group, you could say, also the intelligentsia, yeah. the French intelligentsia, the the epitome of intelligentsia. Oh man, he was in that society, and yeah. in that society, for sure, it was more vogue to come out against the Nazis than of against Lenin, of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the only point I'm saying is what's he reacting more to? Mm-hmm. He's reacting in, to the hyper insanity of rationality that had just occurred. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, the dialectic thing. That, that I guess that's, as I read this, I just think, like, it, it's crazy how revolutionary I think it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's everything, right? Yeah. Antithesis and thesis. <laughs> Whatever. Right. And and Agle. synthesis and hypothesis. Yeah. All right. those he other types of theses. He does break it up into all the other ones. Yeah. But I think that gets at something. You know. Yeah. We're talking about Hegel, right? Or are you talking about Marx's? Uh, no, Hegel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just um, I was just adding other things into it just to be silly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A hypothesis. No, 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 but he has other, he does, I don't know if those are the names for him, but he has other breakdowns, because that's the thing is, you know, you're always breaking stuff into subparts and everything yeah. like that. Um, I, had to, I, I had to rethink about that for the first, when I was re- applying to Rice, and they had an entrance exam, uh, and there was something like explain the Hegelian dialectic and how it relates to this piece of music, and I was like, oh, yeah, we did that in music history, didn't we? I don't remember doing that in music. Oh, maybe maybe it, was a maybe it was romantic with with uh, Arp. I thought we did that in the the second semester. No, that uh, yeah, no. I wish that sounds actually. I wish I would have been completely. Un- uh, I mean, that's surprising that they expected you to be able to. Because it was know how that. it relates to a sonata. Because there there's all right. these papers about how a sonata is the Hegelian dialectic in music form. Wow, I could. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. I'd never thought about that. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it's, yeah, antecedent consequent phrases, right? Right, and then they come together in the same key at the end, the right. synthesis. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now that, yeah, wow. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Music nerds. Nerds. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that must have been a different class. Yeah, I never took romantic. I wish I had, but I had a, a lot of other classes I had to take, right, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> Which we won't talk about. Right, right, yeah, nobody has any idea. We didn't nobody study knows. music. What is going on here? No, never. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, on that, though, actually, there's, there's, two, there's a correction I wanted to make that I, uh-huh. I misspoke last episode at the end, talking about, uh, I said Nietzsche had worked with Goethe on his color theory, I was a mistake. I meant to say Schopenhauer. It's just we oh. were talking about Nietzsche and... Because sh- and Goethe's talks- way before them, right? He's a generation before. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's two generations before Nietzsche, yeah. Because right. when Schopenhauer met uh, Goethe and worked on his theory of color with him, because I was making that whole point about vision, mm. um, he, yeah, Goethe was like an old man at the, end, at the beginning of the 19th century. And Schopenhauer was a young dude. And Nietzsche's highly influenced by Schopenhauer, which is why I misspoke, because we were talking about... I just, you know, again, just need to make that clear. Also, I just need to go on record and say, the most general definition of combustion, Mr. Andrushka, (laughs) is an exothermic oxidative reductive reaction. (laughs) Okay? Okay, so So it doesn't doesn't need hydrocarbons at all. It doesn't need to have hydrocarbons. It doesn't need to have oxygen. So oxidation and combustion are the same thing? No, it is an exothermic. That's the, that's the, it also is making heat. So, so there, are, there, there, there are re- reactions with oxygen that don't make heat. I don't Wouldn't know. Wouldn't any reaction make heat, probably? Not necessarily. Some, you have endothermic reactions that, okay. you know, make cold, <laughs> I so to speak. <laughs> or the absence of heat. They make cold. <laughs> they make minus heat. No, but isn't that funny? We think of yeah. yeah. I mean, it's true. Negative though, heat is yeah. it's the because heat is is motion, and then and so you're just really slowing down mm. things when you yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. Yes. I'm Submit. confused again. By the way. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> well, it didn't take ha- a chemistry class. <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of thing that would drive me crazy in chemistry. This is why I did not get good grades in chemistry. I'd get like I'd get stuck on things like this, and I couldn't couldn't pick it apart yeah i actually yeah. had this problem in uh in algebra too i feel like calculus was easier for me because it it answered questions yeah no i mean it it definitely is i mean you know this this is the ultimate dance that a teacher has to dance is how much how much information is too much because you have right. to kind of siphon it down so that they don't get overwhelmed, but also, right. yeah, you're like you're leaving a lot of stuff out, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, calculus right. answers a lot of unanswered questions, and algebra, I guess, yeah, right. Or, or well, because then, because if mean, you give them too yeah. much information, they're also going to realize that ultimately you're also overwhelmed and don't really right. know. And you're well, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot of shit. Well, there's a bleeding edge everywhere, right? It's just how yeah. long you have to wait till you get there. Yeah, I, um, I made a mistake too, like many episodes ago, and we never corrected it. And I don't remember what it was, but you texted me about it. Hmm. And I have to think about it every now and then, but not when we're doing a podcast. Like, oh, I should oh, say something. Oh, yes, it was about. Uh, 
It was about, I bet it was about uh, the women's movement. I was right about this. It was probably about Stanton and Anthony. Okay. You had said they were like in the late 19th century, early 20th century, but no, they were right. mid 19th century. Because Seneca Falls, yeah. What? Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, that could be that. I, this is definitely not what I was thinking about, but sure. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I probably said a lot of wrong stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, because Stanton was born in 1815 and died okay. in 1902. Who's Stanton? She was one of the Seneca Falls conventions. Okay. Uh, and yeah, formulated. She was like an early woman's right okay. person. Cool. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, anyway. Uh, it's in my she, text thread, but I'm not going to go back through it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, when so what, what, what do we do next? Yeah, do 1848 want- was the Seneca Falls Convention, and that was uh, like Elizabeth Stanton um, was, I believe, one of the organizers. Well, were we talking about like women's suffrage or something? Well, it was, I don't remember why that's we were talking about it. Yes, I know, but there was, yeah, you were making some point that <laughs> I was right. That's all I remember. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> isn't that, isn't the ego great? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the ego. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what the point was. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I, yeah, I just need to make those points about Goethe and, okay. uh, and uh, yeah. Schopenhauer. Schopenhauer. Yeah, it's making me wonder what we should read after Foucault because yeah. I kind of uh, am wondering if it's worth sort of diving into the lineage of like I've been trying, like reading mm-hmm. Nietzsche, maybe reading some Hume or something. I don't know. Sure. Does that I'm, sound fun to you, Antushka? It, it does sound fun. I think the one thing is um, I, we can break the theme. I like the theme of something that's more directed at written as a history. Well, yeah, Nietzsche, like we said, is is following in that line. I mean, right, right. you could say Foucault is following in his lines. So right, right. So, like that. reading like the like the, the the invisible hand of the market or something. That's not really a history. That's more of like a a philosophical text. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to read those types of things, though, huh? I I would. I just feel like interesting. I, I like this for now. Sure. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and certainly if you look at the numbers, Antushka, I think people like it <laughs> when we talk about history more <laughs> of the episodes. Oh, yeah? yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't looked recently. Is it, no, is it looking fine. good? I bet it's looking great, right? Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, we're we're on our way. That's all I'll say. <laughs> we're, I don't know where fair. we're going, but right, we're right. going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so cool. should we do Doctors and Patients since you started that one? Um, sure. I'll probably read on if we do that, though. Okay. Uh, to something. But, you know, I don't mind uh, reading on. and Yeah, because there are a lot of interesting things in that section. Cool. Um, yeah. What, el- what mean, else do we have? We have the birth of the asylum. We have division. I assume it's like a math chapter. Or, no, excuse me. It's the new division. Yeah, I think it's just talking about how they divide up right. sanity and classify it. It's nice. Passion and delirium, aspects of madness, the great fear. Well, the great fear. So I think the great fear would be interesting because that could answer whether he's sort of getting at what we're talking about, which is what I think is that like death is the ultimate fear of humans and sort of the ultimate fear of a rational being. Sure. I.e. a conscious being. Then let's do it. Uh, Let's do the great fear. 
Okay. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Is but that cool. the last one? No. Okay. The last one looks short, though. We could try and do both. Okay. Yeah, I might read on. Okay. Cool. The Great Fear starts with one afternoon I was there, looking a great deal, speaking rarely, listening as little as I could, when I was accosted by one of the most bizarre persons in the country. That's a <laughs> fun start. His name was Antushka. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. X. I should put myself Yeah, right, right, right. Come on. Who am I kidding over here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... Uh, well, yeah, that was good. I mean... Um, Again, that's I think the best thing about Nietzsche is he's just like one of the easiest philosophers to read. Sure. Because you're right, Foucault is just difficult. <laughs> he's tough. He's tough yeah. to get through. Yep, yep. Um I feel like there are a ton of other things, but that I wanted to say. Um Yeah, I don't know what that I heard is. that again. Yeah, I heard it again. You think it's one like the, the CIA listening? Maybe. Um, oh, this was kind of a general thing, but you know, I had a few thoughts about the formatting uh -huh. stuff is I wonder if he was trying to make a point how in some ways, if you look at like breaks, we're sort uh -huh. of confined to the page break as right. a, as a natural sort of stop. So like, what is the difference between just starting randomly in a sentence, right. you know, mm -hmm. it's just. But then you could say, but there's a reason for for the page break stop. It's because there's a page that you have to turn. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just making me think how even though he's pushing back and sort of trying to show that some of these things that we have can be inverted and looked at differently, he's also still falling into a lot of the same, you could say, tropes, like looking at just history right. from the... I mean, ultimately, he's making ages. rational points. Rational right, exactly, arguments. exactly. Yeah. Which, so, yeah. But I guess his point would be like, yeah, man, but it's... it's yeah, good. man. It's, all, it's good, all good, man. Good. <laughs> and he snap a little bit. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you think you think he was one of those guys? No, he's too intense for they that. They invented the... I mean, it's like, I feel like the beatniks were trying to be like the aristocratic, like, intelligentsia French. But right, beatniks right? were dumb compared to... like the. When I say dumb, right. I don't mean actually stupid. I mean the they were talking in a very different way. The, right. No. The way the way he yes. the way he writes, I can even imagine like you know like European graduate students you knew in college right. that are like they're really intense and right. they make very strong statements and you don't even always know what they're arguing about or what for or against. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good encapsulation of him. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that encapsulates our our. our we're more the snapping way. types. I feel like you and me. We're the we're closer to the beatniks. Uh, yeah. I feel yeah, like I we're know, a little though. bit more chill. Mm. Okay, so in in the intensity, I I agree. I mean, I guess it just depends on what we're talking about here. I was more talking about just aspiration to intellectualism, right? And like you know. I don't know, it was like that idea of just turning everything on its head. And yeah, that's what the sure. beatniks wanted to do. And I think that's what Foucault is doing. And yeah, and that's it goes back to this. I think it's ultimately uh, this continental, you know, dialectic, if you will, that's always existed in Europe, at least, mm -hmm. and maybe is not projected into the rest of the world. Uh, 
which is this <laughs> the order bound English and then the disorder bound Germanic or slash French or whatever continental Whoa. you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I like no, how you just, said German slash French. Yeah. I, wonder, I, I hope I hope we have some German and French listeners who will. Well it, it's so at least in just the like last whatever six hundred years, yeah, it it does seem like it's been a constant power play, obviously between you know not just continental versus English, but you break all the continental nations up. Mm-hmm. But then starting maybe with Napoleon, right. and this is going into a whole thing. Sorry, that's good. <laughs> it's just a whole thing. Starting with the Napoleon, he wanted to unify Europe. But the British essentially, with the help of the Russians, fought them back, right? And then uh, the Germany, Germans came up you know, 100 years later. They're yep, like, we're okay, now deal. we're going to unify Europe. And then the English, with the Along help of the with Russians, the <laughs> were like, no, okay, no. Yeah. And now, though, it's interesting. We have Russia essentially, hey, we're I'm trying unify to unify, a, well, Europe, um, but also, you know, the world right. against you could say the Anglo sphere, right. which is now, you know, dominated by America. But I right. think it's still, you know, it's the old Commonwealth, if you will. Mm, and uh, and yeah. So anyway, this is just trying to account for obviously recent history. Um, right. But uh, and this is all Foucault's way. words. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm talking about this at this point. No, I think I'm. I'm just. I was just. It's just an interesting observation. The, that, right, uh, the continental from, philosophy and how it's yeah. Related. Well, and like listening to this Napoleon biography and then the Lenin biography mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. and thinking about the wars more. And then yeah, Foucault. I think I was just trying to say that it's interesting that he still falls in line right. of looking in at the context. It, yep. Yeah, at that period. But what the heck do I know? I mean, I think I think I like I like the tactic of taking those longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, views of history i think we right. don't do that enough uh i think we mm-hmm. tend to look at very Myopic. short spans of history yes. and we kind of right. we kind of get caught in the last 50 100 mm-hmm. maybe 150 years but yeah a 600 year span we start to see some very interesting sort of repeated cycles mm-hmm. yeah no you're right i mean i mean yeah i think that's a lot of my issue with i guess if you want to say postmodern thought but it does mm-hmm. and this is maybe what the point i was making with foucault is that even he is kind of myopic in that he's responding to, he's not myopic, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but a lot of, I think, scholarship on postmodern scholarship is myopic in that it only focuses on the last, last 100, maybe 200 years. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, that's all I, I don't even think that's just history. I think it's, there's a yeah. lot of subjects oh, that we completely. do that where we get, we yes. get kind of cut off at a, maybe 200 years ago. Yeah, no, romantic is, yeah, basically like anything in science, we don't really look at uh, even a hundred years ago with very much. Right. I feel like geologists have that one down. Yeah. They look pretty far back. They look back, but how much are they using? uh, I would say anthropologists are the best because in terms of using old resources to make arguments for today. Sure. I guess. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What are we even talking about anymore? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do The Great Fear next. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm already scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this chapter going to be too scary for us? It might be, dude. <laughs> we have to read it with the lights on? We'll have to wind down with some Insidious. Did you ever see that movie? No. You never were that into scary movies, were you? 
No, actually, I hate scary movies now. I used to be okay with them, and now uh, they drive, like, I hate it. Like, you, because you get scared? Yeah, it's way too scary. <laughs> no, no they're, be honest. they usually gross me out. Like, they make my stomach churn, and, like, uh, I'm just, I'm just kind of, like, grossed out by the whole idea. Were you ever people scared People are pretending by to be mutilated and stuff. Uh, well, I mean, of course, there's different types. But I'm thinking Insidious is, like, a particularly, it's not, like, gory, but it is, you know, it's always those paranormal ones. Those are the most scary, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Playing yeah. with the mind. Paranormal activity. You didn't go I don't know. Those me. scary ones to me is, like, oh, just a, gotta, guy, boy, a guy with a knife that. is freaking scary. Like, some guy comes yeah. into your house with a, a kitchen knife and is going to stab you 30 times. Ugh. Right. Yeah, no, that's very. I'm, yeah, and course. like you can't I'm, fight him, and you try, and he's just like yeah. fucking stabbing. You. Yeah, no, I I agree. That, that sounds really bad. That sounds like something yeah. I really don't want to happen. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, I got to bleep. Uh, you know, I I just realized I said our friend's name. Um, yeah, no, I, okay, yeah. I mean, I agree. That's scary. <laughs> but I guess <laughs> You're like, doesn't scare me. You can stab me all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but hey man, Casper's also scary. That's right, all right, I'm trying right. to say. Okay, people think he's just a yeah. The paranormal ghost. ones don't get me so much. Really, paranormal activity was freaky and insidious. I keep bringing it back yeah. up. But the reason I you know the reason also kind of funny thing is they like uh, used a what is it. What's the word? You know, tiptoe through the tulips by. Oh, uh, tiny, uh, Tim. tiny Tim. Yeah, you know, which is you know, it's just a very yeah, exactly. It's just like yeah. Why did it take forty years for somebody to realize this is the perfect horror movie song? I guess. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Cool. I think we said it all. Yeah, all of it. Cool. All right. All right so the great fear next, the yeah. scary one. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye. Signing off.